Welcome to Trust Matters, the podcast, where Charles H. Green, CEO of Trusted Advisor Associates and co-author of the best-selling book, The Trusted Advisor, answers your questions and offers wisdom on how to build stronger relationships with clients and colleagues. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Trust Matters, the podcast. I'm joined by our MC Jason Gluskin, who has a big picture question today. That's right, Charlie. So Rachel's from Florida. She's a sales manager and writes in to say, I'm a recent convert to this Trust Matters podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. I'm finding these topics really interesting, but sometimes I feel like I'm operating three levels down in the larger system. Is there a bigger way of looking at trust? I can see these examples all have to do with relationships and professional development, but I'm not sure if there's some other common thread. Did I miss the session on Trust 101? (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, Rachel. Your question is timely because the next session in our ongoing webinar series speaks exactly to that. As we thought about the new year, it seemed a good time to do sort of a trust audit for people who want to step back, just like you, and take a 30,000-foot perspective on trust. Not just why it matters, but the basics, how to think about it, key lessons, and the like. So that you don't have to wait for the webinar, which is February 25th, by the way, here's your answer. At the top of the trust pyramid, so to speak, here's the overall big-picture concept, followed by one-level-down key ideas. First, the most powerful form of trust is personal. I trust you, you trust me, that kind of thing. Yes, we say stuff like, I trust Amazon, or not, and we talk about trusting institutions like the press or the police, but none of that's really as nearly as powerful as interpersonal one-on-one trust. And here's how personal trust works. First, trust is a relationship, in the same way as love or friendship are relationships, but with one big difference. Love and friendship are pretty much synchronous. I love you, you love me, like that. By contrast with trust, the roles are asynchronous. One party chooses to take a risk and trust the other. Let's call that party the truster. The other party then proves themselves to be trustworthy or not. If so, then the level of trust between them kicks up a notch. So there's a truster and a trustee. The truster takes a risk. The trustee is or is not trustworthy. Not the same thing. And if there's a trust problem, you can't do anything with it until you figure out which party is the source of the problem. Is it that the trustee is untrustworthy or that the truster is unwilling to take a risk? Now, out of that simple framework for trust, we at Trusted Advisory Associates have developed three distinct models for trust. Now, when I say model, I mean simply a conceptual framework for thinking about trust dynamics. Those three models are, number one, the trust equation, number two, the trust creation process, number three, the trust principles. So to answer your question, Rachel, let me explain each of the three models, linking them back to that basic idea of a truster and a trustee. The first one, probably the best known or most famous, is the trust equation. The trust equation is literally a mathematical formula I help create specifically to do with trustworthiness. Think of trustworthiness as kind of a virtue, to use a simple term. There are four components to the trust equation, four virtues, so to speak. The first component of virtue is credibility. Basically, can I trust your expertise and what you tell me? It can literally tie back to your credentials. The second component or virtue is reliability. Can I trust that you'll do what you said you'd do? The third component or virtue is intimacy. Can I feel safe and secure talking with you about any number of issues? All those go into the numerator of the trust equation. They are positive virtues. The fourth component or virtue is self-orientation, and that one goes in the denominator, so it's kind of a negative virtue or defect. It has to do with who the trustee cares about. If he cares about himself, which is high self-orientation, then that reduces trust. 
If he cares about me, low self-orientation, then I feel I can trust his intentions towards me. Two of those virtues are rational, credibility and reliability. Two of them are more emotional, if you will, intimacy and self-orientation. We have a lot of data based on a self-assessment tool called the TQ, or Trust Quotient, which is based on the trust equation. I won't go into it here, but there are three interesting data points that come out of it. A, women score higher than men. B, age is positively correlated with trustworthiness. And C, intimacy is actually the strongest factor. Much more about this at our website, trustedadvisor.com backslash equation. So that's model one, a model for thinking about trustworthiness. Then there's model two, the trust creation process. This is a dirt simple model for describing trust creating conversations in a five-step process. The process is engage, listen, frame, envision, commit. Again, I won't go into detail, but two takeaways are that the most critical step is listening. And the biggest barrier to trust creation is the tendency to accelerate way too quickly to problem solution, mainly because it shortcuts listening, which communicates respect to the other party. Then the third and final model is the four trust principles. This one is about creating an environment in which people can trust and be trusted. Think of this one as a set of values as opposed to the personal virtues from the trust equation. Those four principles or values are, number one, client focus for the sake of the client, not for you. Number two, a habit of collaboration. Number three, a commitment to transparency in all matters, except where it's illegal or unnecessarily hurtful. And finally, number four, a focus on long-term relationships, not on short-term transactions. You can think of the four trust principles as a guidepost for trust-based behavior for all people in a team or an organization. The more the group practices those principles in all their affairs, the higher the levels of trust you're going to see in that group. Rachel, there's a lot more to be said about all that, but the point, as per your question, is not to go there. Rather, to just underscore the big picture key ideas around trust. So to review them one last time, trust is a relationship that happens between truster and trustee. The elements of trustworthiness are explained in the trust equation. The main way that trust gets created is in conversations with a heavy, heavy emphasis on patient, empathetic listening. The way you scale trust in a group is by getting people to behave in ways consistent with the four trust principles. Our website, trustedadvisor.com, has a much deeper dive into all these core trust models. I encourage you to explore it if you want, or as I mentioned, join our next Trust Matters webinar on February 25th. You can sign up on the website. I hope that gives you a better roadmap or a way to audit the state of trust in your environment. You've been listening to the Trust Matters podcast with Charles H. Green. Send us your questions about trust, relationships, and business at podcast at trustedadvisor.com. And visit trustedadvisor.com for tons of free articles, videos, and more.